Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Who's enjoying the spiritual growth campaign? Yeah, we're doing that for the whole month of March spiritual growth campaign. We've learned about being busy. Pastor Bron kicked us off in the first week, being busy. Second week, Phoebe, overwhelmed. This week, stress. Who's stressed? <laughs> we've, got a, we've got an absolutely down here. Uh-oh. <laughs> You've arrived in the right place. <laughs> well, our society has become obsessed with this, like it's a badge of honour, stress, busyness, hurriedness, filling, your, filling the gaps in life. We're just consumed with productivity and efficiency and fitting stuff in and utilisation of your time and, and pleasure. Do you fit your pleasure in around what, what you're doing or do you do it the other way? I'm just going to enjoy life and then I'll just worry about cleaning up the kitchen later on. I don't know. I'm the other way. I'm the other way. I like to do everything in my life that I need to do and then find time to have a bit of fun. But anyway, we're consumed with stress management to the point of being overwhelmed sometimes. I wear a Fitbit. Does anyone like to use, what are they called, active watches or whatever? Smart watches? Smart watches? Who's got a smart watch? Raise your hand. Couple. My Fitbit has part of the app that has a stress management section. So if I'm feeling stressed, I can go into my app, log on how I feel and the time. 10.25, whatever it is, 10.25, got it right there. I'm feeling excited. Maybe later on I'll feel stressed when I think about the week ahead, and so I'll log that. And then there's another part of the app that um, is about mindfulness. So it, it actually encourages you to just stop and just put the timer on for two minutes and just listen to, I don't know, raindrops on palm leaves and just... Just breathe in and out and then you just do that for two minutes and it logs it. Have you done enough mindfulness this week? You've only done four minutes. Do a bit more mindfulness and you do that and you just stop and reflect and then at 10 minutes to the hour, your watch beeps. You haven't done enough steps, big boy. Move it. 250 steps left to go this hour. Go. Oh, no, I'm out of my mindfulness and then I do my steps for the hour. And life just feels that way sometimes. We're just trying to find these moments where we can just stop, where we can build margin, where we can increase capacity, where we can take some rest and then get 10,000 steps in, in and around that. But I don't want to joke about stress this morning. I know that it's a serious issue. I know that people can be bogged down in it. You are bogged down in it. If you come here this morning, you're feeling that way, um, we want to minister to you this morning, whether that's through the word or through the worship or through the prayer team afterwards. But I wonder how as a society we got to this point where we are so stressed. I think about previous generations, the mothers that sent their 17, 18, 19-year-old sons off to war, not knowing when they'll get a letter from them, if they'll get a letter from them, if they'll see them again. That's stress. Or the, the generations that went through the Great Depression, soaring unemployment and, and having to work really hard, laborious jobs, not knowing when that will end. Or then sending them off to war again, the next generation. Or then coming back and there's a baby boom and suddenly you've got five, six, seven kids and no one had money then. 
No, no one had money in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. But now we've got money. Or if we don't, we have access to welfare and healthcare and free education and, and, and life's good. But the statistics show that we're more stressed than ever, even though we've got more affluence than ever. That, that doesn't correlate in my mind. And I don't have the answer here this morning. So if you've come to find the answer as to how come you're so well off, but you're so stressed as well, I don't have that answer. So you're free to go. Um, I'm going to tell you some other stuff this morning. But when I'm reading the literature, I'm, I'm seeing that 72% of people, of Aussie workers, are feeling the impact of work and personal stress. Now, that doesn't mean that they are stressed. They're just they feeling that tension. They're feeling um, that it can be wearing them down. And if you see behind me here, 35% of people, workers, adult workers, are at high risk of developing mental illness or stress-related illness. 39%, the bell curve. They're at moderate risk, but you're at tipping point. Are you going to prevent it or are you starting to cure it, but you're at tipping point? Are you going to tip over into the red or are you going to stay in the green? 26%, just a quarter of our workforce are low risk. Low risk. Burnout rates are at an all-time high. When we talk about burnout, I'll define it like this. Think of a match. And a match will burn out either if it gets to the end of the match or it starts burning your finger. That's the burnout point. That's That's where it's no longer effective as a match. And so that's what burnout means when we're talking about that in the human context. The burnout is when we feel like we've got nothing left to give. And we're seeing that at an alarming rate in our society, in our community. 52% of workers are feeling like their work-life balance is either average or poor. That's one in two. That's the person next to you. One in two. 52%. And wellness programs are a thing of the past. Wellness wasn't even a word when my dad went to work. He didn't know what wellness was. What's wellness? Now now most companies have wellness programs and we have to think as managers or business owners about how we're going to look after the wellness of our workers because if we don't or if we're perceived not to, we could get sued or there could be workers' compensation issue. Anyway, I don't want to make this a HR TED talk, but these are the issues that are facing a lot of people in this room, business owners, leaders of people. And, and managers. And so we, I was reading one HR article this week and it was saying the business owners and managers are experiencing more stress because of the added workload and expectation to roll out wellness programs to manage the stress of other people. So these people are getting more stressed thinking about the stress of other people and then the workers are getting stressed because their leaders are stressed and it's this vicious cycle of stress, stress, stress all through the workplace. I don't know if you have a, a workplace like that or, or you've got a great workplace, I'm not too sure, but it's, it's endemic to our culture. This, this thing of stress is endemic to our culture. And so what, what stress is, it's not something that can be fixed with a solid eight hours overnight, despite what your Fitbit says if you wear it to bed. Stress is something that is part of life. It's not something that can get, be gotten rid of by a short-term holiday or um, dropping a few kilos. All those things are great, but 
Stress is something that we carry through into life circumstances and it feels like we can't find a way out. It feels like a weight on our shoulders. It feels like there is no hope. A number of years ago, we, Phoebe and I, my wife, moved to a new city. We moved interstate to Melbourne. She got a job there. So we moved and I was happy to go, great place, but I didn't have a job lined up when we got there. So I thought, I'll start applying when we get there and it'll be fine. There's more opportunity there. I'll be able to walk into a job. Mm. No, that didn't work out that way. So a couple of months went by and I had to apply for a heap of jobs. It was just so competitive at the time. And so what, what you'd do is you'd wake up and you'd have a look at what job advertisements came in that overnight or the day before and you could spend an hour applying for a job. Who's currently going through that process right now and it's finding it stressful? No, we're all employed. Great. Oh, fantastic. 3% national uh, unemployment rate. Good. We're all gainfully employed. But at the time, I found that really stressful. I found that it was just consuming a lot of time. And so you'd spend an hour answering all the questions on the recruitment system where all the information was in your CV. Then you'd upload the CV, which is annoying. But you'd spend a a heap of time doing that. And then you click the apply button. And I found this wave of stress just come over me like oh now I'm now my my paper's in the ring now now my opportunity's there I've put myself out there and I'm competing against other applicants and that was stressful and then a couple of days would go by and you get a phone call hey do you want to come in for an interview yeah that's fantastic this is what I've been praying for but oh no now I've got an interview I'm starting to get stressed now I've got this opportunity to get a job and it's starting to stress me out even though I was praying for an interview I get it and then I'm stressed figure that out and then you, you might get through the process and eventually I got through the process with two jobs and I was given two job offers uh, two days apart and like, that stressed me out too. I got my answer to prayer but then I got two job offers and so I had to stress over which job to take and then I took the right one because I, I listened to God in the end but that was stressful too. And then you're watching your bank account go down you're watching the, the days go by that you're unemployed and that's stressful. And then you start and you think, Oh, hang on, this job's stressful. And so, and so it was just this constant cycle of stress. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. Here's my first point. God can build margin in your life. God can build margin in your life. He is the upside down God. He works in ways that we just don't know. We just can't fathom. It's, it's a reverse economy when we talk about God. We talk about tithes and offerings from this stage. We don't talk about giving so that you get more, but we talk about God blessing those that give of tithes and offerings. And anyone that tithes or gives offerings will probably have a testimony about how God has given back in different kind of ways. That's how he works. He's also the God that tells us to love our enemies. What? Why? Because God, God's love just expounds over that. It's more powerful and it doesn't make sense in our mind, but that's how it usually works. What about 1 Corinthians one twenty seven? He chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. People that are unqualified for leadership find themselves in positions of leadership just because they're faithful to God. You only have to flick open dozens and dozens of stories in the Bible and you, and you see that that people unqualified for leadership find themselves in leadership because they believe in God. God can do the same thing with the margin in your life. 
God can increase margin in your life so that stress decreases. Here's Andrew's definition of what margin is. Margin is the time, energy, money or thinking space that is spare. It's surplus to your needs. It's left over and it's something that can be used for your discretion. And using margin properly can decrease stress. We're just about to start a 14-day devotional if you're following through this spiritual campaign by a guy called John Mark Comer. And he writes about margin. He says, A life without margin sabotages our capacity for a healthy spiritual life. You see, margin can be used for good or bad. And Jesus has called us to do his work. God has called us to become more like Jesus, to spend time with Jesus. And if we're not allowing that in our margin, and if we're not allowing that in our life, um, day-to-day living, we get removed from what God wants us to do. Stress shrinks our world. It shrinks our thinking and it enlarges our problems. But if we're using our margin to combat stress... We can see over our problems. We can see Jesus within our problems and we can see how he is using us to get out of it. He can use us to get out of our problems or just to get, just to remove the weightiness of the stress that comes with some of our problems. Here's what the Bible says about stress. Psalm 73, 26 says, my body and my heart fail. That's stress, yeah? Yeah. My body and my heart fail, but God is my heart's rock and my share forever. You know, I believe that everyone has margin. If you look, if you look hard enough, you will find margin in your life. But contrarily, we all think that we're busy. You talk to retired people. They're surprised at how busy they are because they're doing a heap of things, filling their time. And that's not a criticism, but it's just to say that we can fill our margin and our extra time and energy and space and finances quite quickly if, we, if we're not cognizant of it. And so when, when we look at margin, we think of it as the, the space between our priorities. And so there's a little space in between every priority or every requirement that we're meant to go through. And instead of thinking, getting into that point of margin and thinking about the priority that we've just, let's say, finished and we're looking to do, to put our attention to the next priority, instead of thinking about priorities, if we think about the margin that we're in and think about how we can utilise that, we actually utilise it better. This is how successful people think. They think that if we, we get, if we have a plan for the margin, we will be able to utilise it better. Here's some things that we can do more of to increase margin. Not lots of necessarily, but just more of. These are the things that make life better and make you better, us better, me better. First one is fairly obvious. Time with God. Prayer, Bible reading, worship. You guys, you've come to church this morning, well done. People listening to the podcast and online, well done. You've used that margin for your spiritual development. Tick. Time with people who build you up, your spouse, your family, your friends, your connect group, your community, your church community, people who you know that will be praying for you when they say, I'll pray for you. Those people, have them in your life. Schedule some nothing time. 
but actually schedule it. Schedule your margin and go, I'm going to use that to go for a walk, do exercise, spend time with a friend, whatever it might be, but actually schedule it. Don't just find yourself in that margin going, well, what do I do with this margin? I don't know know what people would say, call it margin, but they would say, what am I going to do with this free time? But actually make a plan for it before you actually hit that time. Um, If you can't Sabbath, start with a night off during the week or a slow morning. Space and quiet, not peace and quiet, space and quiet. Get some space. Introverts, you're loving this point, aren't you? Want some space and some quiet. You can do two minutes on your mindfulness app, on your Fitbit, if that's what you want to do. Savings and debt reduction. Finances, they're stressful, particularly if you don't have enough of them and you never have enough of them. You never have enough. But look at the savings that you're making and the debt you're reducing. Don't look at the bills you have to pay. Look at the positives. Look at the stuff that you're actually actually winning at. That's a bit of free financial advice. I'm not a financial planner, by the way. Um, Next one, sex with your spouse. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I was just pointing to my wife just then. Um, Just so you know, just off camera. (laughs) Um, But married people, yes, yes, we're getting a preacher brother there as well. All right, enjoy your evening. Um, That's important. That is important. Connected sex with your spouse. It's important. And all the teenagers are getting very uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, Exercise and veggies, we all know that. We don't do it. Um, But we all do that. I shouldn't turn side on. Um, Self or occupational development. So actually get better at your job. Yeah, that might be, actually, that came across a bit harsh. Um, This isn't a performance review, but just actually try and get better at your job. Try and actually um, do it well so that it becomes easier and less stressful. Time out of your comfort zone. Actually try and stretch yourself because as we spend time out of our comfort zone, we stretch our capabilities. And when we stretch our capabilities and capacity, we increase our margin. Um, And lastly, but not least, and this list isn't exhaustive, invitations to God to come into your day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, pray without ceasing. And then the stuff that we should cut down on or have none of because they're either not beneficial or they're harmful or sinful. So consuming things that are not approved by God. Like play your video games but not till 2am. That. Okay, sure, fine. I'm not a video game person. I don't see the use of it. I'm just, that's my opinion. If you want to do that, that's fine. You can put that across anything. Netflix, you can put that on excessive exercise. You can put that on anything that is too much of a good thing or just a meh thing. Like it, it doesn't, it, you're not, you, you hit this level where it's not actually beneficial anymore. People who weaken your faith. So not people who are weak in the faith because Jesus calls us to disciple people into stronger faith. We're meant to, um, we're meant to help each other out with our faith walk. But people who really attack your faith, limit your time with them. Not cast them out of your life necessarily, I'm not saying that, but just limit your time with them so that you are not unequally yoked. Okay, porn or sex outside marriage. That's a none, not a less. <laughs> a little few awkward laughs there. <laughs> None. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to be judgmental there, if that came across judgmental. But if this is something that is really 
a struggle, we'll have a prayer team over here. We can pray for um, God to come into that circumstance. Time accepting poor circumstances. Like, don't be like Eeyore, just going, oh, my life's no good. Actually allow a little bit of margin to get over those circumstances, to be, see victory over there. Point number two that I want to share this morning. God is never hurried or stressed. He's never hurried or stressed. We want him to work a bit faster to answer our prayers, Yeah. Anyone who's ever prayed knows that, that we'd like him to work a bit faster, but he's never hurried, nor is he stressed. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is all-loving. He is everywhere. And so how can a being that is like that have a characteristic whereby he is stressed or hurried? He's got time. So when your life is spinning out of control, he's still in control. Think of it as like helicopter view or he's looking down from heaven and he can see all parts of your life. He can see the past, the present and the future. He sees a way out of the circumstance even when you don't. He sees a way out of your stress even when you don't feel it. We sing a song, even when I don't feel it, you're working. He's still sovereign. He has his hand over all your circumstances even if your circumstances feel like they are weighing you down. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Circumstances make us change, but God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. A few years ago, I was with a bunch of mates and we were travelling through Uganda. That's a country on the equator in Africa. And um, we were doing a bit of ministry work and we were sitting in the pastor's home in this village one Sunday morning. And so here in Australia... In Tamworth at the chapel, we have church. It's at 8.30. It doesn't start at 8.29. doesn't start at 8.31. Church, this service doesn't start at 9.59. It starts at 10. 10. Pre-roll, three minutes beforehand, 10. That's when it starts. When does church start in Uganda? Sunday. That's when it starts. They aren't governed by the clock. And so one of our team members was just getting a bit antsy. It was mid-morning Sunday. We're still having breakfast. Um, We uh, just relaxed and she asked the pastor, what time does church start? She'd asked that a few times in the morning. The pastor was having his patience tested and he said, deadpan. He said, Europeans have watches, but Africans have the time. Europeans have watches, but Africans have the time. What he meant was Europeans, white Western people, and I contextualise that, uh, you contextualise that however you want, um, are always in a rush. We're governed by the clock. We're governed by our watches. We're always obsessed with time and making the most of it. But his point was that Africans aren't like that. We'll, We'll do church whenever. It was really interesting to see her just kind of stress even more at that time. (laughs) But anyway, now these guys walk an hour down to the river to get water for the day, come back with two jerry cans. Sorry, I shouldn't say guys, the women. The women do that. They walk down the hill to get water from the river, two jerry cans, 40 kilos on your shoulders, two hours back up the hill, three hours a day just to get water. I turn on the shower of a morning, two minutes to get hot water through, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm utilising that time while I'm waiting for the hot water to come through. That's how rushed I am. I shouldn't be rushed, but no, I'm actually creating margin, aren't I? 
But anyway, these guys are Swahili speaking and the term Hakuna Matata is Swahili. And what does Hakuna Matata mean? For the rest of your days. That's exactly right. So they're not hurried, they're not stressed, but their needs are greater than ours. They don't know if they're going to have food for tomorrow. We don't know how we're going to pay for the electricity bill because we've we've run a second fridge full of food. That's different stress, isn't it? But it's stress nonetheless. God is never hurried, nor is stressed. He sees their circumstances, he sees our circumstances, and he's over the top of it all. Third point, God doesn't stop stress. He utilises it. He doesn't stop stress happening. This isn't a, hey, give all your money to God, come to church every Sunday, serve on team, join connect group, get baptised and stress will be gone. Not the magic figure, not the magic antidote to stress. I'm sorry. But we worship a Jesus who the night before he died went into a garden and prayed and he said to God, God, not my will but yours. He knew exactly what was going to happen in the coming hours. And the scripture says in Luke 22, 43 to 44, then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him as he's praying this. And he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit you ever been so stressed that your spirit is in agony? Well, Jesus was the night before he died. So much so that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Like great drops of blood. That's how stressed he was. And so when, when we talk to Jesus through prayer, he knows that stress that you're feeling because he's been more stressed He's felt that. The human side of Jesus has felt that. And he he feels that and he sees that in you now. He can empathise. He's walked that road. He's also powerful enough to overcome. He had to submit to God's will so that he could go to the cross, so that he could carry the burden of our sins and the fallen nature of this world to the cross so that he could have victory over that. And he can have victory over your circumstance this morning if that's causing you stress. I believe that. I believe that. Psalm 39, 4 to 7 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. When you talk to the eternal God, that's how important your stresses are. It's but a breath. Gone. That's how powerful he is over our circumstances. Verse 6, we are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. Not how to spend it, but who will? Your future generations. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. In Matthew 8, there's a story about Jesus calming the storm. And so it happens on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples. Disciples were fishermen, whose fathers were fishermen, whose grandfathers were fishermen. They knew Lake Galilee. 
They knew it. They knew exactly where the fish were. They knew exactly where to launch the boat from. They knew exactly what time to go out fishing when the fish would be nibbling. They knew exactly the weather patterns that happened. And they find themselves in this situation whereby the storm comes in and the wind and the waves are horrendous. And these guys are experts at their job. They are really good at their job. And they find themselves at work but being overwhelmed, but being stressed by the circumstances. And their friend, their saviour, Jesus, is in the boat asleep. And they have to wake him up. Jesus, Jesus, it's windy, it's raining, the boat's just about to capsize, you're sleeping, what's going on? And Jesus says to the wind and the waves, he speaks directly to the wind and the waves. And he says, be still. And then the, and then the Sea of Galilee is flat. You could wakeboard on it. He can say the same thing to your circumstances. If it feels like your boat's rocking, if it feels like the waves are lashing over, if it feels like you're going under, he can speak to your circumstances. He knows your stress. He sees your stress. He wants us to turn to him. That's the key here, that the disciples could have hung on their experience and figured out a way to get out of the boat or get to shore or whatever it might be. But instead, they put that aside and they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, help us. And that's all we have to do when we're feeling stressed. That's all we need to do is to hand it over to Jesus, the guy that sweated blood for you for you, for me, so that we could have eternal life. He dealt with our sin. He dealt with our circumstances. All we need to do is speak Jesus, as we said before. Speak Jesus over our circumstances. Speak Jesus into our life. Speak Jesus into the person that's hard to love. Speak Jesus into your future, into the plans that you can't find a roadmap for. Or, you don't, or a circumstance that you don't have a plan for, whatever it might be, speak Jesus into that and invite him into that. And when we do that, stress doesn't go away, but we find a way for Jesus to overcome our stress. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.